the guy across the road from me is selling his house and he keeps coming. He's a lovely bloke, but he keeps coming and asking me questions about like, is this right? And I'm like, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Come I, and list with us and then maybe we can help you. We, I had that discussion. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know the term. Like I know the terms, but I don't really know what they mean too much. Like I've got a 60% level of understanding on a bunch of the terms and he's asking me like, oh, is this, a, is this standard at your agency? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Going one, going twice, no. All right, guys, welcome back to The Property Pod, your weekly engagement into real estate here in the Hobart Marketplace. I'm your host, Aaron Horn, and it gives me a stack of pleasure to be joined by superstars of real estate here in Hobart and around Tasmania, Patrick Berry and John McGregor. Welcome back to the desk, boys. I'll always take that uh, um, description. (laughs) Superstar is like, you could be a superstar in any field. Last week, I think we were talking jackets. The week before that, we were talking something else completely. And I'm simple. If someone knows my name, I'm just excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mate, you were up in Launceston over the past week. um, Kind of, you sounded like the king of of BMX riding. Everyone was coming to you asking questions and and hitting you up with stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's been a big week in BMX. Nationals were held in Launceston. There were 1,400 competitors. That is amazing. Parker and I have been up there for the last week, eight days I think we spent at the track. Yep. So, no, it was really good fun. Challenging to work remotely and do BMX at the same time. Yeah, so give us the the rundown of kind of being the director of a company who's kind of during the day standing at a BMX hill and then having – Things come at you. It just means you do a lot of late nights trying to (laughs) catch up on a lot of emails. (laughs) But it happened. We got it done and we're back in the office this week, which is good. Nice. And and just hit us up with um, how the young man went. How did did Parker? Yeah, no, he did really well. He ended up in the quarterfinals uh, for the weekend. Uh, Finished 19th out of 43 riders, I think it was. So he was pretty happy with his results. And it's nationwide. Like this is not just like the local BMX event. This is a... Nation rides, fastest of the best, best of the best. Yeah. In a Olympic sport as well. Yep. There was actually Olympians there last week in Launceston competing as well, which yeah. is really fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah, That's so good. Parker got a real kick, got signatures. All the kids were running around having selfies and stuff. It was yep. really good fun. And one day it could be them. Yeah. Probably not Parker. But <laughs> hey, don't say that. Maybe somebody else. <laughs> well, I, I like when you go to um, the different events that have from the – obviously the best of the best across all their age groups, but you slowly progress right into the elite of the elite. Mm. And it doesn't matter what sport it is, just watching them work oh. is, is just amazing. Watching the elites is next level. Yeah. And just to give you an idea, like – Parker's best time at that track is 41 seconds now. His age group of nine-year-olds were 37 and a half seconds. Yeah. The pros were doing it in 29 seconds, which is far out. It's, it's less than 10 seconds that they were doing it faster, but it is such a big difference when you look at oh, it. Yeah. As a percentage, though, like that's, what, 70%, 80% difference? Like, yeah. nearly du- like nearly doubled. It was somewhere. pretty impressive watching them go around that track. They were fast. Oh, man. And talking, so we're talking of the, the younger group, but then also at the other end of the spectrum, there's still bike riders who are 60 plus and maybe yeah, you so know one who's 1A. Yeah, Parker's grandfather is now number one, a 60 plus year old Australian rider. Oh, so yeah. he won his division, which he was really pumped on. What so. a... What a thing to like when you hit 60, you're like, yeah, I'm the best in the country, baby. <laughs> Don't you worry. No one can beat me. I was chatting with a, um, he was a, used to be an Australian cyclist back in the day and because he's uh, retired professionally, uh, he still, um, still competes um, in different ways. 
Apparently, the best time to um, you, you, the, the, your, their favorite day is when you switch across into a new age bracket. So you go from like thirty nine into forty because then you're competing against the forty to forty five. Yeah. So for that first year, you're like you're like <laughs> you've got all the all the edge because you just haven't aged as much as the other blokes yet. All right, I've got a way of spinning this into real estate. Oh yeah, yeah. Here we go. Imagine you had your property priced at a certain bracket, and you were in the five hundred to ten to. 500 mark, but you needed to drop it back to compete in a whole different league That's and you brought it back to 490 to 495. Then you're opening up to a whole new adventure of buying. That's going to be like... Well, exactly. Well, what, what is this? Segment? We're, talking, we're talking about a you know, lightweight, featherweight, heavyweight. And so the thing is, is that the second you get into a new bracket, you're dealing with a whole new group of people. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Oh, man. Pat's just like... <laughs> you guys are on the yeah. wavelength. Pat wasn't listening, so he had no idea what I was talking about. Sorry, I can, I can just shift gears quick. Yeah, you know, oh, gears, bikes, I like it. Um, well, look. <laughs> that was a better segue. <laughs> mine made sense. I'm just Look, I'll tell you why mine didn't make as much sense. I don't know that much about real estate and I've got, I've got like, a qualm. You do love to tell everyone. No, but this is what I want to talk about today. This is what I need to get out off my chest is a, the guy across the road from me is selling his house and he keeps coming. He's a lovely bloke. But he keeps coming and asking me questions about, like, is this right? And I'm like, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Come I, and list with us and then maybe we can help you. We, I had that discussion. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know the term. Like, I know the terms, but I don't really know what they mean too much. Like, oh, I've got a 60% level of understanding on a bunch of the terms. And he's asking me, like, oh, is this, a, is this standard at your agency? Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought if you guys could help me out and help our listeners out today, we could kind of just go through a bunch of the terms he's been throwing at me, maybe like a little glossary that I could use and I could store it in the back of my head, store it on the podcast. And if he asked me, I can be like, oh, sold agency. Yeah, well, that basically means blah. blah. Gotcha. What do you think? Sounds good. What do you got? What have I got? Oh, I've got a big list. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got a 30-minute show. All right. Well, we're splitting it into a trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I'm just going to hit you with some terms and just like let's just throw them out. Let's just go like play school version of, um, of what these terms would mean so they don't have to be like the legal definition because you don't have that in front of you mm. but just – what oh, your John's understanding of it is. John's got it up here in his head. He knows that legal definition. He the would. problem is, remember I talked about everything gets jammed in my filing cabinet and just never comes out of my head. <laughs> 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 All right, well, get out some WD-40, baby. We're going to open up those files. Let's check it out. Um, look, I just like let's start with sole agency. That was the first one that came to my head. But, like, my understanding of that is, like, you can only sell it with one agent. You, you want to go first, John? Yeah. So the, in the for us to be able to do it, we need to do we need an authority to sell. So it's just a client engaging us to sell their property, and it outlines all the terms of how that's going to happen, um, including commissions and fees. So when it comes to a sole agency, what that does though is that that's in, that's designed to actually protect the agent's interests. Okay. In that, um, if that owner sells it to um, sells it to well, sells it themselves or anyone else sells the property. That's the agent. The agent who has the sole agency is still entitled to a commission. So an example of that is Aaron's next door neighbour. So Aaron knocks on his door and said, "You know what? You haven't been able to sell it. I'll buy it directly from you." Yep. He would still be liable to pay a commission to his agent. In effect, yes. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Hmm. And they are an agreement that lasts for a certain amount of time because yeah, so they can't really just sign up and just be like, ha-ha, sucker, like two years a later. negotiable time frame with a maximum of 120 days. Okay. In Tassie. So See? in Tassie you can have it 
as short as you like. Like we've had 48-hour agency agreements done. Okay. Um, or you can have it as long as 120 days. So this is where I wanted to bring it up with the old mate because he was just like, I don't know, like I'll sell with you. And I'm like, I don't sell houses, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I take the photos. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm bloody in this agreement. So this is where I'm just like, I need, sure. I need more ammo. You need to fill my – so what's open agency? All right. So an open agency is very similar to a sole agency, but it allow, the word open basically means it allows multiple people to sell the property. Okay. So your neighbour, he could have an open agency signed with our agency, one with LJ Hooker one with PID, and all it's basically doing is outlining that if we're the successful people that sell it, they'll agree to pay whatever's on our open agency agreement. So they're prepared to pay the commission or the advertising or whatever is outlined on that agreement. But the open aspect of it, we're acknowledging back to the vendor that we are aware that in this circumstance maybe we may not get paid if someone else is successful in selling the property instead of us. So is this similar to like the US kind of structure? Is this what they do or am I so far off? Because I remember when... um, Sorry to interrupt, mate, but it'd be better off before um, sole agencies became really long in Tasmania, they only ever used to be able to last for 30 days. Okay. So the what used to happen is that you could only have exclusive agency or sole agency for 30 days and then what would happen is that they would shift into the open agency or they would what they call it multi-list. So in America they call it multi-list. So the listing agent is still entitled to a commission um, because the owner is the one that would be paying the commission to either party. Yep. It just enables it to open up that other agents can introduce buyers. Okay. Um, in effect, everyone gets paid on, a, on, a, on an agreed split or amount. And when did when did that change? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Dad, Dad would be the one that was at the we had to tell the exact date to change the area. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I guess I think the biggest the biggest change is in the advent of the internet, because it, before when it was really driven about just paper advertising and networking, um, the multi list was interesting because you'd submit your property to the Arrow Institute. All the members will get access to all the properties across the database. Effect, um, so that you know each week, and so then people would be able to contact those agents, knowing that those properties were for sale. Yeah. But once the once the um, the internet was a great leveler. All the information could just be blasted out, and then everyone had access to everything. It was not as necessary. I suppose Australia, well, Tasmania, shifted towards the idea that um, the multi-list was no longer a thing, and sole agencies just um, became became the common. That's cool. We should get your dad in to chat that. Like, I know we've talked about the bus that travelled around and stuff, but like, just like getting into the weeds of of kind of the the switch. Yeah, well, and that's where the culture is different because in America, like, it's straight multi-list. Um, they, they still they still can obviously just list and sell within the same agency, but it's just much more common that it's just open listing across the board. Yeah, and that's just the difference in its culture. So, yep, all right. I think I've got that covered. Open sold that kind of makes sense just in the titles. This next one I looked up. I was trying to work out what a conjunction agreement is. Um, is it not conjunctivitis <laughs> of the eye? Well, it depends how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> is that how agents look at this one? Um, I the way I see conjunction and. You tell me if you see it differently, John. It's more where you team up with another agent from another agency and you pre-agree on how we're going to split the commissions. Yep. So sometimes we might do a conjunction where we agree that the winner takes all. So I'm going to list with John. John's a competitor to another agency and John and I have got a side bet going that I think I'm better than John. I'm going to get it sold. So I'm going to suggest to John that, you know what, winner takes all on this one. Or other times we might do an arrangement where we both work on the property um, and we might 
put a contingency in for ourselves where we might say, hey, John, why don't we do 80-20? If you sell it, you get 80%. I'll slip you 20% of I'll it. I'll get 20% because I worked on it as well as a safety net. Mm. Yeah. But basically the way I see a conjunction agreement is multiple agencies working together but pre-agreeing on how they're going to split the commissions up or how they're going to share the proceeds of the sale at the end. Yep. So I'm just trying to get like I, I know that like everyone – there's different ways of selling every property is different, but like, is this stuff that's happening commonly in our marketplace, or is it you kind of just rolling with the sole agency style? And I then would say that ninety five percent is probably sole agency, wouldn't you, John? No oh, more, more. You reckon? Yeah. Well, well, you might. The other thing too is the conjunction agreement um, is important because the purpose of the sole agency, like we went back to, is that the listing the the owner who engaged the listing agent isn't told to one hundred percent. So regardless of who sells that property, the listing agent's still entitled to 100%. So you have to create a conjunctional arrangement that has that agreement that says, no, 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 the listing agent isn't entitled to 100%. This is the new split. Mm. So that's the purpose of it. It's just, yeah, really just making sure that everyone's on the same page before they go working on a project. Yeah, yeah. And look, if you... The the other thing too is that, so back in the States is that the the commission rates are, are far higher. So they're often, you know, four, five, six percent Whereas in Australia, they're depending of only price bracket one, two, and three percent. So the thing is, then is that the if you've got six percent and it's getting split 50 50, there's a huge you know, uh, there's a great amount to be shared between two agencies. But when if you're doing 50 50 on some smaller commissions, like it's very, very hard to re- you know maintain that business. Yeah, so that's why the conjunct more it, look realistically, it's probably monetarily driven more than in many ways because there's just the the shared amount is just not as high in Australia as it would be in the states. And you got to eat. That's it. <laughs> Gotta make eat. bread, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, while we're in this little commission talk, mm. I don't know if this is like um, talking out of school, but we did not, that trilogy. it's not on my list. Um, the idea of a fixed commission and a percent commission, you mentioned percent. Mm. This is one that the guy across the road keeps asking me about. It's like, I don't reckon he's motivated to sell because I told him I'd just give him the fixed commission. Mm. And I was just like, I don't know, dude. I don't know how that side of things work. I'll just nod my head and agree. Hit me with the inside goss on this. So when he asks me, I know what to say. Well, I, I, I think it's more so incentive. So if you've got um, – if, if you're using a real estate agent that would represent you on the sale, the case is to be made, made is that, look, um, by, the, by what we can do for you, we can have a positive influence on, this, on the price for you by our – skills, networks, experience, negotiation, marketing, all that stuff. So um, the idea being then is if we work on a commission base, the the higher price that we're able to achieve for you, the the higher uh, amount we're able to be in, you know, be paid. Yep. So on a fixed price, the argument would be, well, look, we can just get the transaction done, but the only thing we're going to be motiva- motivated by is getting you to sign that contract so we can get paid and get out of here. So it's it, that's why I've heard it said once before, incentive-based commission or, you know, just uh, transaction-based commission. So, it, But ultimately, you know, everyone would say, well, I work just as hard one way or the other. Really just comes down to the individual. I should play the cricket sound for you. <laughs> <laughs> just flick to you. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I just don't believe in fix. I'm always a percentage guy. Yeah. No, it's just interesting because he, he asked me about it. I was like, I've got no idea. Like yeah. that, I don't go anywhere near any of that stuff at work. Yep. I don't know. And John's kind of confused me more. <laughs> yeah. No, he hasn't. He's spot on with what he said. <laughs> no, no, I know what he said. He's right. But in my little brain yeah, yeah. where I'm trying to, I'm like, oh, what am I going to tell that guy? Okay, uh, look, you, you're going to tell him that the guy should not 
his motivation shouldn't change being fixed or percentage based. He's a real estate professional and it shouldn't make a scrap of difference. You'll be is the answer. Thank you so much. That's um, that's all I needed to know. There you go. Save perfect. Time. That works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but getting into this kind of getting the right amount of money for um, your property, this is where some of the marketing terms, like it always used to be like a buying range, I think, or like I guess like can we just quickly go into kind of the terms that we'd use for like I know offers over is out there all the time. There's um, buy negotiation, expressions of interest. Can we just quick fire a bunch yeah. of these? Sure. Well, offers over is an easy one. Yep. Um, sometimes written as O slash O. So we have some people that will ask us what does O slash O mean? It yep. basically is shorthand for offers over. Yep. Uh, it's effectively saying that um, if it's offers over 500000 we're basically saying the owner will consider any offer over that price. So we're not saying he... That will definitely accept. Definitely accept that because there's other factors like terms of the conditions, timeframes, um, finance clauses, things like that. Yep. But it's saying that if you're in the market for a home and you've got, you know, 510000 in your pocket to spend, this property is worthwhile having to look at effectively. Yep. What's your next one? What is my next one? <laughs> um, uh, do you want to go buy negotiation? Yes, yeah, so what, what does buy negotiation mean? Well, buy negotiation, expressions of interest, it all comes down to the um, – that there probably is a, a price that they have um, in mind at the, you know, that they would take, but the first thing is more so is that look, we are opening up to the market to go look. Can you bring us some interest because that expectation could be below, it could be higher, um, and at this point though we just need some feedback from the market. It can be normally used as well, or sometimes used in something that's a little bit unique, like if it's not a cookie cutter house that or on a cookie cutter block of land that's hard to it's harder price to, up for us to say to an owner with confidence that yes, this house will get five hundred thousand. Yep. So maybe it's got a really unique feature that nothing else in the area has. So we might look at doing the buy negotiation for that reason. We also might look at auction as another option for uh, that sort of arrangement. Yes, so I don't have that on my list. I know what that is because I've watched the blocks. So there you go. I'm, well, I'm I all think, over those. I think pretty sure everyone knows what auction is. <laughs> I guess the buy negotiation or expressions of interest is a soft approach to an auction. It's like doing getting that research without actually having the auction date as such. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one thing to keep in mind is that all these um, – uh, all these, a lot of these different marketing terms, unless you've got a fixed price, ends up just being a way of, you know, introducing the property to the market yep. in order to create the, interest, to, to create interest and in, in, in create negotiation. Um, where it comes, I suppose, the auctions. Um, it's to me, I, I really look at it more so. It's, it would be a, an, an asking price or an auction in many ways, because. With the auction, obviously, you see it on the block. The comp- you don't know what's going to happen. The competition gets created by the comp- by the, the buyers themselves, um, and it's just a matter of well, who who you know how much more do you need to pay? More than that person over there. Yep. You know. So then, any other one offers over um, buyer inquiry range, buyer negotiation, all that kind of stuff. In the end, it's just because you've got the the you've got the absence of a this is the exact amount that I'm going to take. So then it's, all right, well, how do we position it in a way that's going to you know, generate interest and then to find out where the market's going to be for you? Yeah, for sure. No, that all totally makes sense. I guess, yeah, like I remember when mum and dad were buying their house years ago, it just had a, a range and that just seemed to be the normal thing because yeah. you'd look at me like, oh, wow, it's like in this area. But that seems to be well, even then, that, not as used. That, that, was, that was designed by a bloke by the name of David Pilling back in the 90s. And uh-huh. were there, you know, again, his, his theory was, well, um, okay, let's just, at those days, let's just say your house was 200 grand. He said, well, um, 
if you enable the interest, you know, between I think at the time was twenty percent below and twenty cent above, that's probably where you know buyers will be for a property like yours. Yeah. And so by opening it up to those to those numbers, it's just people will go, well, oh, I might not not look at that price, but I look at that price. But actually, I probably would pay that price now that I've, you know, now I've seen it. Now I've seen it. So again, it just goes back to the thought. Well, it's just designed to create interest around a property that may not have a fixed price that they would accept. And it's all market-driven. All of these different terms and pricing structures that we use is all decided around what the market's currently doing. Yeah. So, you know, in a rising market where things are selling straight away and we can't keep up with data that tells us what a home is worth, an offers-over approach is a very good way to take because we're normally looking at data that's two or three months old and that's saying the house is worth X, but the market's already shifted north from there. Mm. So by doing offers over, we're basically saying, well, three months ago the house is worth X, so we know it's here somewhere. Yep. Tell us what you Tell us what you think and what you'll pay. But a buyer inquiry range or a BIR, as John was just describing, could be really good in a market where uh, there's not as many buyers around and we're trying to open it up to get more people to come and see the home. So Mm. just different approaches for different like markets and different speeds that we're working in. Yeah, no, for sure. It's just one of those things I, I looked up a, um, a list earlier and I was like, oh, I don't know what that is, but I do know what it is when it's explained to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a bunch more. I think it might be a trilogy episode, boys, just or rapid, at least a... Rapid fire, a couple of quick ones, mate. Um, STCA. Subject to council approval. Yep, um, all right. An agent's favourite word yeah, <laughs> when they want to pretend something's possible yeah. and they don't know if it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's pretty much it. So, um, like, you can make any promise you want that could about doing something subject to council approval. So, great example is house has got a big block of land. Theoretically, you could put a unit in the backyard, and you want to be able to convince someone that it's worth more because yep. it's the size of the yard. You can say, "Oh, you can build two units in the backyard." In brackets, subject to council approval. Sure. Which basically means we actually don't know if we can do it or not, but we're going to tell people. So what does DA approved mean? So DA approved has actually gone through the process of getting the council to sign off on that and means that you have to have plans drawn, you have to have all the engineering done and it's effectively going to council and the council coming back and saying, yes, we are giving you permission to build that property on that piece of land. So a DA approval is way more valuable. A subject to council approval, I say agents use it when they don't know if they can do something. It's a slight lie. We do do some initial groundwork. We'll go and speak to a town planner down at the council and say, we've got this property. Theoretically, do you think we can put a property in the backyard? And they'll say, well, yes, the minimum block size for the area is 650 square metres. You've got 700. You know, the side entrance is 3.5 metres. Effectively, yes, you can fit a unit in the backyard. And so they'll say, you know, on face value, it looks like, yes, you can. And then that's when we would go and put You're not selling there. snake oil and being just like, yeah, man, you could put a, a five-storey um, well, well, mega so tower there. Well, you could. approval. Yeah. yeah. So this is where we differ. John and I, we will go to those extra steps. Yes. I hope other agents in the industry do, but I do see some questionable ones that come online and I think that doesn't look like it fits any of the criteria yeah. required. You, you could think of it just as a disclaimer. Yeah. So I guess my only tip is if you see subject to council approval, whatever they are promising, probably go talk to council. Gotcha. And just ask the question. Yeah. Uh, Because most councils, you can just walk in off the street and ask to talk to a town planner. They'll bring up that property on the screen and they can give you a bit of info straight away if they think it's possible. Just before we turn any further from this, does the plan build... Does that help with any of this stuff, that Plan Build Tasmania, that site? Well, what that does is give you the map overlay. So yep. it, won't re- it won't do much more than um, the problem is it'll identify what those things are, but then you've got to then figure out what those things mean. Yep. Yeah. So that's... But I think in the future uh, the plan is for it to be 
I think they want to develop it further, yes. Yeah. It'd be an online development approval platform. Yeah. So I think like one great example how Plan Build could help to figure out if the agent's full of rubbish or not. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe they've got a nice big block of land that you can put a unit in the backyard of the house because the house is right at the front. The agent's lazy, doesn't do any checks, and you look in Plan Build and there's a big giant easement which is a pipeline that goes straight through the middle. Yep. And as soon as you see that pipe straight through the middle, no, you no. know that you're out of luck. No go. So... There have been occasions where that sort of scenario has happened, like the agent uses their knowledge of, you know, yes, it's a big enough block, yes, it's got side access, theoretically we can build a unit. Yep. Mm. But they haven't done that last check to make sure that there's nothing hidden underground that they weren't aware for of. Sure. Yep. So, yeah, plan build would be a good spot for people just to do some initial yep. checks because there could be a red flag that pops up straight away that just rules that. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, if you haven't covered off, we covered off that on an episode previously and we have done a blog on Plan Build um, out there, which is, yeah, a new resource that's really handy and, and we're using a lot here in the offices. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm putting a pin in it here. I've got enough info to go back to the guy across the road and tell him. Wow. More, more than he, he bargained for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, all good. I'll just give him the – I'll just say, here's the audio file. Just yeah. listen. <laughs> just listen. <laughs> it's so much easier. <laughs> Come back. If you've got questions, I'll answer them next week. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, boys. Always fun jumping in the studio and learning something. Um, my brain feels very full at the moment. My bucket is full, so thank you. <laughs> no problem at all. Thanks for having us. No drama. Catch we you all next week. All right. You have been listening to The Property Pod, recorded and edited by 414 Media House in conjunction with 414 Property Co. This podcast is general information only and the thoughts and views expressed is the opinion of our panel and listeners should always seek their news, their own investigation into any topic we discuss to ensure they fully understand their own situation. It does not constitute and should not be relied on as purchasing, selling, financial or investment advice or recommendations expressed or implied and it should not be used as an invitation to take up any agent or investment services. No investment decision or activity should be undertaken on the basis of this information without first seeking qualified and professional advice.